fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Forget him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? Or do you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. It's the 30-something movie podcast, and we are taking you out to the ball game this time around. We are talking about The Sandlot from 1993, and uh, the uh, my, my teammates here, we actually have a full house for one of the first times in a long time. So I am, I'm just going to go around the horn here, and uh, Bo, Bo Warmbold, how are you doing? I'm well, John, and yourself? Excellent. 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 Uh, Jeff Mazuka. Hi. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm good, man. I'm excited to talk Sandlot. Excellent. I'm going to try to really limit my commentary and thoughts about this movie so everyone else can have a moment to share. Dennis, I encourage you to, to do the same thing. Have it not be a quote-a-thon? Is that... Uh, more just a... I don't know, speaking the praises of this film. Yeah. Basically, you want to let them talk and get their opinions in first, and then we will correct if they don't get it right right at the end and yeah 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 and then we'll just keep talking about how great this movie is okay is this gonna be is this gonna be another thing like uh uh pat's wrong wrong, but i'm just like now guys was this a baseball no it was the last baseball movie wasn't it it was the last baseball movie it was just like so it's not no that's wrong so it's not about baseball it's not about baseball well what is it about you've done your homework but not baseball that, that you're thinking about well, what can I do? Nothing. There's no hope for you. You're nothing. Just be quiet. All right. All right. That's fine. I, I sense that. I feel that what, coming on. What movie was that? Uh, Field of Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah. No, Pat was way wrong on that one. <laughs> okay. I think I missed that. You've been Dennis and Jeff Splained. <laughs> the, best, the best part of that conversation, the best way to sum it up is, you know, at the end, of of and here's the spoilers for um I almost said uh days of glory uh field of dreams the best part of field of, you know at the end of field of dreams when they got that line of cars coming in because they'll come for miles they'll come all around to recapture something to learn something to basically what I learned from Jeff and Dennis on that conversation is that if I start driving up they'll be out there like directing me the other way or like slashing my tires turn it like, around like, was, turn it around <laughs> No, 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 no going the wrong way, sir. We don't. Nothing we don't want to in this train. Guy on the bike in the cornfields, turn around. Yeah, no, nothing but corn here, sir. You made a wrong turn. Well, you oh, heard Dennis's boy. voice. Dennis is over there. Yo. And then Patrick being mercilessly, mercilessly attacked, and we haven't even started yet. <laughs> That's the way. Hey, everybody. This is the way. Pat, this Pat, is the way. Pat, if you need us to call nine one one, just let us know. No, that's fine. I just, you know, 
Click twice good. if you can't talk, son. Yes. I've had a lot of time since Field the Dreams to actually do some uh, some homework and research. So. I, and learn that's some. right. I am. I am play that one I'm over ready. and over again and listen to me and Jeff's parts and maybe he's. So I've read up on my slam dunks and uh, field goals and all that kind of stuff. I'm ready. All right. Well, as I said before, this one is The Sandlot from 1993. Uh, we spoil freely here, so if there, we start talking about a movie, you don't want to hear about it, maybe hit that uh, skip 10 or 15 seconds button a couple of time on your podcast app, and then you should be good to go. Visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can rate, leave a voicemail, and become a co-executive producer on Patreon, where you can get our bonus content over there. There's tons of good stuff over there. So if you are joining us over there, and, and throwing over, you know, two, three bucks a month or whatever, uh, then you can get the bonus content. A lot of extra episodes over there as well. We've got 400 and, what, 477 episodes before this one on the main feed, and then we've got the bonus ones. I think we're up to, like, 30 or 40-ish episodes over on the Patreon, so there's a ton of stuff over there as well to sink your teeth into if you go join us over there on Patreon. So... Uh, we got a lot to talk about with this one. A lot of opinions on this one. All good opinions, as far as I know. Um, and uh, I was going to say all valid opinions, but then I think I might get attacked by a, a few folks on here. So uh, we'll we'll leave that, I think, depending on what maybe Pat says. But Pat sounds like he's done his homework, so I think he might be okay this time. Um, it, Pat looked like he was going to say something. Then he thought better yeah. of it. I, I, I thought better of it. <laughs> okay, I'm, just, right. I'm just waiting. <laughs> okay, no problem. No problem. All right, dive on into this one. This one came out April 7th, 1993, rated PG, one hour, 41 minutes. David Mickey Evans, who did First Kid and Beethoven's Third. Writers were David Mickey Evans and Robert Gunter. Uh, David Mickey Evans did First Kid, and Robert Gunter did The Big Green. Producers were Dale Delatorre and William S. Gilmore. Uh, De La Torre did The Big Green, and William S. Gilmore did Krippendorf's Tribe. Composer was David Newman, who did Anastasia and Ice Age. Cinematographer Anthony Richmond, who did Legally Blonde and Men of Honor. Editor was Michael A. Stevenson, who did Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, and The Journey of Natty Gann. A lot of journeys there. I uh, wonder if Journey was ever, ever featured any songs in any of the movies he worked on. Production company was 20th Century Fox and Island World. The budget for this one was an estimated $7 million. Box office was $34.3 million. Cinema score gives it a B. Flick metrics gives it a 67%. Tom Gurry played Scotty Smalls. He was in U571 and Black Hawk Down. Mike Vitar was Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez. He was in D2 and D3, The Mighty Ducks. Patrick Renna played Hamilton Ham Porter. He was in The Big Green and Son-in-Law. Chauncey Lepardi played Michael Squince Paladoris. He was in Freaks and Geeks and Gilmore Girls. Marty York was Alan Yeah Yeah McLennan. He was in Boy Meets World and the Brothers Sinclair. Brandon Quinton Adams played Kenny DeNunez. He was in The Mighty Ducks and D2 The Mighty Ducks. Grant Gelt played Bertram Grover Weeks. He was in Boy Meets World. Uh, Shane Obadinsky played Tommy Repeat Timmons. He was in The Paper Brigade. Victor DiMattia played Timmy Timmons. He was in Dennis the Menace and Cool as Ice. Terrible movie. Uh, moving on. James Earl Jones played Mr. Myrtle. He was in Star Wars and The Lion King. Dennis Leary was Bill. He was in Rescue Me and Ice Age. Karen Allen was the mom. She was in Raiders and Animal House. Marley Shelton played Wendy Peppercorn. Wendy Peppercorn. Okay. Wendy Peppercorn. I figured you guys would just, would just want to take a moment. This magic this moment. Magic, there you go. 
uh, was in Sin City and Planet Terror. Art LaFleur, who died in 2021, played the Babe. He was in Field of Dreams and the Santa Claus. And Herb Muller played young Mr. Myrtle. He was in Runaway Jury and Double Jeopardy. All right, so I got a couple little trivia things here real quick before we get going. Uh, Every time, Pat, as you pointed out, every time a scene features Wendy Peppercorn, a song by the group The Drifters is played. Those are There Goes My Baby and This Magic Moment. Uh, Ham Porter's famous line in this movie, You're Killing Me, Smalls, is a paraphrase of the famous quote, They're Killing Me Out There, Whitey, spoken by Denver Broncos coach Lou Saban. line was also paraphrased the previous year in another baseball-themed movie, A League of Their Own. Uh, both James Earl Jones and the late Art LaFleur played in Field of Dreams together. In both movies, uh, Art LaFleur played a legendary baseball player who is long since dead, but does appear to the main character. Um, this movie was inspired in part by a childhood experience that the writer-director David Mickey Evans' brother had. Some older boys wouldn't let his brother uh, play baseball with him. When they lost a ball over a brick wall, he thought he could get on their good side by retrieving it for them. When he hopped over the wall, however, he found he found a giant dog named Hercules waiting for him, and he did get bitten. So a little bit of a true life story there. Mm. Uh, Robin Williams was actually going to voice the adult Scotty Smalls uh, in the voiceover portion of it, the narrator of the movie, um, but they made a change and did not have him do that. And so this one I thought was was kind of an interesting take on it too, and I was reading this review. Um, Roger Ebert did enjoy this movie and said that he felt like The Sandlot was a lot like the summer version of A Christmas Story from 1983. Um, you know, they don't really have anything in common in terms of writers, directors, things like that. But the nostalgia factor uh, for a childhood you probably didn't have, uh, or maybe you had bits and pieces of it, is there in both of these. So that was Roger Ebert's take on it. Uh, I want to say he gave the movie at least three stars. Might have been three and a half. Um, but he enjoyed it. I remember he said he enjoyed it, that it was, um, how did he say it? He said he, as an adult... He might not have enjoyed it as much, but this would have been the perfect movie for him. He kind of referred to it as like a a wish fulfillment uh, that came 40 years too late. That had this come out when he was a kid, he would have loved this movie. It would have been his favorite movie, and all the things he wouldn't have been able to do as a kid or didn't get a chance to do, this movie kind of fulfilled that. So he did say that this was a a perfect uh, kid's wish fulfillment movie, too. All right. In a world Wait, where childhood... Sorry, who that? Who, who, was that Ebert you said said that? Yeah, that was Ebert. Ebert said, okay. Yeah. Right. In a world where childhood dreams come to life, newcomer Tom Gurry is Scotty Smalls, joined by baseball prodigy Mike Vitar and the rambunctious Patrick Renna. It's a high-flying, s'more-eaten, baseball-chasing summer in the sandlot where every day is a home run. I know you're smart, and I'm proud of you. I want you to make some friends this summer. Meet Scotty Smalls. Kale, get it! The kid is a L7 weenie. My lace is over. Man, this is baseball. You gotta stop thinking. Just have fun. Climb trees, hop fences, get into trouble. Just stand there and stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. Now he's in. Yeah! All right! With the coolest guys in the neighborhood. They've got the look. Wendy Peppercorn. Wow. Hey, girls. They've got the moves. Ah! They 
have got the rap. Blockhead! Geek! Jerk! Idiot! Moron! You bop for apples in the toilet! And you like it! You play ball like a girl! Something else has got their ball. That wasn't my ball! Dad's father gave it to him. Babe Ruth signed that ball. Babe Ruth! We gotta get that ball back. Got any bright ideas? Initiate retrieval section number one. Power connect. Come on, hold me, it's heavy. Now. Century Fox presents... Hey guys, it's the Sandlot Babies. You're the ones that making all that racket. A lifetime of adventure. Come on, Squeeze, you can do it. Go through, bud. Little bird. The Sandlot. A little piece of paradise, a half a block wide, and a whole season long. Scotty, have you made any friends yet? Oh, oh I'm sorry, Mom. All right, uh, we've that, got that trailer is enough just to make me happy. Oh, I know, and I don't think I really ever noticed it before. I think that was a little bit of Rocketeer music in the trailer. Hmm. Mm. I'd have kind to go of, back and listen again. Kind of, I, I detected a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it was the, no, it's not when he takes his first flight. I want to say it's at the end when he's flying to get up to the, uh, when he leaves the Griffith Observatory and he flies up to the Zeppelin at the end of the movie to have the final showdown with, uh, with the Nazis. I feel like it's from that part of the movie, but it sounded like it was the, it was Horner's score from the Rocketeer. So um, this movie has now, now it's five out of four stars for me. So now that the trailer features Rocketeer music, I mean, it was, it was up there anyway, but I was listening more to the trailer to see if I could determine how they were marketing this movie. Mm -hmm. What type of story were they selling in the trailer? Yeah. Were they basing it on, this is a nostalgic piece, or this is going to be a, these boys have to get this ball back. And what are they going to do to achieve that goal mm -hmm. sort of story? I think they hit they hit on both of those beats in was, the trailer. I was to say the answer is yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I've broken the plot into ten major moments. So let me run through these ten major moments. These major ten moments. moments. <laughs> so if you have not seen the movie in a while, shame on you. Uh, stop right now. Go watch it and then come back. Um, but if you have seen it recently and you just need kind of a quick overview of it, we'll run through these ten major moments for you. And uh, then we'll get on with our thoughts and opinions on the movie. So major moment number one, Scotty's arrival. In the spring of 1962, Scott Smalls moves to the San Fernando Valley. He is encouraged by his mother to join a group of local boys who play baseball, but he kind of struggles due to the fact that he's not good. So uh, that is our, our kickoff kind of problem here. Uh, he joins the team. Despite his initial lack of skill, uh, Scott is welcomed onto the team by their leader, Benny Jet Rodriguez, who helps him earn the respect of the other boys. Uh, we learn about the legend of the beast, 
The boys reveal a local legend about a monstrous dog known as the Beast who lives on the other side of a fence uh, that backs up to their sandlot baseball field. Um, the Beast claims all baseballs that are hit into his yard. It is rumored that a kid once climbed the fence to retrieve a ball but never lived to tell the tale. Uh, we have the scene, and we heard it in the trailer as well, we have the scene with the swimming pool and Wendy Peppercorn. During a trip to the local pool, Squints fakes drowning to get the attention of the lifeguard, Wendy Peppercorn, and his bold move does result in a little bit of a blossoming relationship between the two of them. Uh, major moment number five, the rival team shows up. The Sandlot team engages in a game against a rival Little League team, trouncing them in an impressive victory, celebrated with a chaotic visit to the fair afterwards. Um, I was going to point out, I said that uh, Ebert had kind of made a connection between the Sandlot and A Christmas Story, and there's that moment where they're kind of doing that back and forth with the other team, and they do the back and forth insults, and it gets to the point where they're insulting, insulting, and all of a sudden, um, it is, uh, it's the catcher. And I was like, you play ball like a girl. And that reminded me of one scene in particular, so I, I decided to splice them together. You play ball like a girl. Schwartz created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. <laughs> what did you say? You heard me. So, um, well done. I th- well done. I think those I think those fit together nicely, um, and those are always this. This is going to get a little bit into the opinion part of it, but um, since we're talking about this anyway, catcher is my favorite character. Like I, as a kid, <laughs> I always wanted to be a catcher. If I got a chance to be on a team, I always wanted to be a catcher. And I think seeing this movie when this movie came out, I'm like, okay, not only do I want to be a catcher, I want to be that catcher. Like that is the kind of catcher I want to be. So I absolutely loved his character. I mean, his his the whole movie. There are many, many reasons why I would rewatch this movie over and over again. But one of the primary reasons is every scene that he's in. Uh, we have the Babe Ruth baseball. So Benny hits the cover off their only baseball. In a desperate move, Scott goes home and borrows his stepfather's baseball, autographed by Babe Ruth, and unknowingly hits it into the Beast's yard. They have some... Uh, Futile attempts here to recover the ball all failed. Uh, they try to pool their resources to kind of devise some various strategies and plans to retrieve the ball from the yard of the beast. Um, every one of those attempts ends in failure. Uh, Benny has a dream later in which he meets the spirit of Babe Ruth, uh, who does advise him to retrieve the ball himself, stating that legends never die. Um, and uh, there's a fun part in the dream. Babe Ruth says, I don't know why, but can I have this? Um, and looks at Hank Aaron's baseball card. Um, and Hank Aaron, of course, would go on to break Babe Ruth's all-time home run record. Uh, Benny bests the Beast. Equipped with his new PF Flyers, Benny manages to retrieve the ball and leads the Beast on a wild chase through town, causing a bit of a ruckus and eventually freeing the Beast from a fallen fence. Uh, the aftermath of that, they meet Mr. Myrtle, the owner of the Beast, who trades them the chewed-up ball for another prized baseball with signatures. Uh, the boys continue to play together. Growing up, as we see at the end of the movie, they grow up, eventually go their separate ways. Um, but Scott has become, as an adult, he's become a sports commentator, and Benny is a Dodgers player, and they remain friends through the whole thing. So that is the quick fly-through 
of the plot. Um, and either before we get into our opinions and, and thoughts, anything else you want to say about the plot or let's, let's do it this way this time. Um, is there, when you think of this movie, is there a scene that your mind immediately goes to? Is there one scene that you think Dennis of Dennis and I are going to have the same answer. Dennis, go ahead. Actually, what I want to do, I was going to say, um, I think what you said earlier, Jeff, is I think I, I want to hear Pat and Bo first before we say anything. For me, it's there's a couple, but you play baseball like a girl, you're killing me smalls. You know, that stuff is the first thing I think of. Maybe James Earl Jones when he opens the door. Who the hell are you? You're right. Oh, wait, no, wrong baseball movie. Squints cracks me up, um, and just when he kisses Wendy Peppercorn, and he kissed her long, and he kissed her good, you know. And it's in this magic moment that I mean that whole thing just keeps coming back. The the big thing that I remember, and we went, well, I don't, I'm getting ahead of this. We all saw this in the theater. Uh, my folks love this movie. We all, I don't know how many, it's probably going to be echoed across. But the thing that always stood out to me was just the friendship and the camaraderie. And, you know, everything from like they're, they all have each other's backs. They're, you know, all in it together. They bust each other's chops, but like, it's all done kind of with love and respect and and all that kind of thing. And, and watching it this time, you know, it's, it's interesting. It, that just, that whole theme just kind of kept coming back. And the fact that Benny was the one that like stood up, for him, you know, and said, Hey guys, hold on. Like, let's, let's make sure this kid can play too. And I, I remember that theme as a kid, you know, because I mean, like, as we've said, like if you, if you watch me play baseball and I, I would be just like that. Like, I mean, and I remember trying to play baseball and I am like left-handed and no one had like, like, and everyone's like, yeah, come, back, come on, play. You can borrow my glove. Well, it was all for righties. So I was trying to throw with my non-dominant hand. And I mean, it was just a complete, you know, and so I've been in that situation. And then, you know, the, the flip side of situations where I've been in, where it's just like, okay, I'm kind of in with this group and there's this new kid. I, like I, and I remember thinking this as a kid and it's always stuck with me. Like, would I be as strong as what Benny was? And I would hope so. But then I've also been on that other side of that. So I, I would say that theme is just like the whole group, the dynamic, how much fun they had. They were all good friends. Um, but just that dynamic with him and how he, he like spoke up for that kid and made sure that he was accepted in and just how powerful that was, but in such an accessible way that, you know, like my, my 10 year old daughter would be able to understand that, you know? So that's what, what I think of when I think of the Sandlot. All right, John, do you want to go on your favorite scene or do you want me and Justin? I mean, I, I could talk about this movie forever, but um, I, I'm just going to go with any scene where Ham is uh, chatting up the batters. 
uh, or any scene where he's insulting somebody. I pretty which is most of the movie. Um, but as a, and especially as a kid, I loved those. Uh, it, you know, it was the stuff like, um, you know, I got to get home for lunch. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, next one coming up is fastball. I'll tell you where it's coming. It's coming. Um, you know, if I had a dog as ugly as you, I'd shave his butt and tell him to walk backwards. Um, you know, it was it was all the. Hey, is that your sister out there in left field, naked? She's naked. You think she go out with me? Like it was all that stuff. Like him. If, just if they did a remake, I think you would be a spot on for the. Oh, <laughs> I would. <laughs> it would be great. I, I I could definitely do it. It's funny. Right. I think this would uh, overlap with our movie for next week because he could give him the high stinking Limburger too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so, so Jeff, are we going to do a countdown and say at the same time? <laughs> See, for the, I got three possibilities, but I have a stronger, I think, front runner. When you say what's your favorite scene or most memorable or whatever that hits me, I'm, I'm thinking is like what kind of hits you in this movie? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're thinking? All right, that's, so, so, that, so that's John, John, do a countdown, and we'll just both blurt it out. We'll see if we're the same. This is like match game. All right. <laughs> Come on, uh, Rayburn, whatever. whatever Three, two, one. Fourth of July. Works. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, that scene is, is yeah. it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful in its simplicity. It's I tear up. I teared up during that scene. It's it's the heart that that's portrayed in in that scene. It's about just kids being kids, and they're caught up in their own world, but yet they're mesmerized by this other thing going on, and it brings their game, their which is their most important thing. It brings their game to a halt while they just stand there, and then you have the underscore of Ray Charles, like oh. It's it's one of the most beautiful scenes. scenes. It is one of the most beautiful. It's a tear jerking scene for me. But yeah, um, the, the the grabbing the food off the table as they run with their gloves to go play in the dark mm. under the lights and they know the yeah. it's just the just the, and then and Benny being the most focused on baseball still running the bases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like determined and he's like it's ba- you know and then, and he's still but it's but they're all like <laughs> beautiful scene absolutely yes. And just families out. You know what? I mean, I guess, like, I don't know who said at the beginning, maybe John said, like, you, you maybe have these memories or we talk about Eberts or whatever. But, like, you were saying, like, some people have these type of memories as kids or some people didn't have these or you wish you had them or whatever. For this movie, like, it hits so home with me from beginning to end. Um, like, that was my childhood. That was my childhood. Like, it was... It was, it was that. And I, and at one point I was Scotty and at one point I was Benny, you know, it's like you start off as Scotty and as you grow up, you become Benny to other Scotties. And, and that's pretty much the neighborhood ball game because, because I don't know, like I think Pat, you were talking about, like, I, I felt like you were alluding to maybe some of the, like the bullying, like, you know, like people, if you're not good, you, it's so weird. Me and my brother were not, we, my dad was a swimmer. We, we picked up baseball, you know, playing catch and then six, seven, but we didn't, we didn't know the rule. We didn't play little league early on. We weren't put into it. My dad didn't do any of that. We learned through the sandlot. And I remember going to play and being on a team, you know, and they would divide up the teams and stuff and the kids in the, in our lady of the mountains, you know, playground or whatever in the back there. And, and it was kind of like that same thing where there was a couple kids that we, we need people. Otherwise it's right field out. So they, there was no shunning of kids. They were like, no, we want more kids. It was just that welcoming, Hey, I'm the new kid. Hey, give them your glove. 
take my glove. Like you switch gloves between innings. If you didn't have a glove till you got a glove, then you went and you asked your dad for a glove and you got some old glove from grandpa. You know, it was like, it, that was it. And then all of a sudden, as you got older, you remember that you never were like telling a kid, no, you can't play. If a kid came by, we, we saw kids outside the fence. Hey, you want to play? Come on in. You know, I don't know how to play. Well, here, it'll be easy. Like that literally was it. And um, there wasn't that. I, I don't think that happens nowadays. I don't I don't think it does. I think that you're either a little league kid and you're like, oh, that kid sucks. He's not playing. I don't know if that experience is happening. And that's really sad. Dennis, yeah, I hate I, to say it, but think of our experience. Think of our experience with the kids that like get involved in, well, it's either softball or baseball, and they're they, they're burned out with it, right? Because they've got to play yep. ten games over the weekend or whatever. They're or they're yep. getting overuse injuries because yep. it's you know, I mean, that's and I I shouldn't say it's like everybody, but you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Like I remember, and I don't want to hijack it too much because it wasn't baseball, but we'd always play. We'd either invent our own things, but us, it would always be football, right? We would go out and play pickup games of football and that, and then that would be like tackle, keep away. And I mean, that gets into other things and, and all that kind of stuff. But I remember what you're describing with that, where yeah. you'd be invited in and you might not know the rules, but we need enough people and all that. Um, and uh, you just divide yeah. them up. You would just divide them up. I mean, it was like, that yeah. was one thing I, as a PE teacher now, again, it's like, I see that with kids where it's like, they literally will choose the best players to put on one team and trounce another team and just demolish them. And they'll yeah. keep seeing it and they'll be, they'll be bragging about it. And they'll be kind And I'm sitting there thinking like, where's the challenge? Where's the fun? At? And what you would see on the sandlot is mm-hmm. if that was happening and the score was starting to get lopsided, you would switch and even up teams. Yeah, yeah. You make changes. Yeah. And you wouldn't do it in a way that was like, Oh, you suck though on that. It was literally like, Hey, wait a second. Let's, uh, how about you go there, you go there. Hey, let's, uh, this, this feel right? All right, let's go. Let's try it. And then you go and you would play. And it was, you wanted the close game. You wanted the ninth inning coming down to the wire type of thing when you were playing Sandlot games. Um, how cool was that? How cool was that scene where Benny's like, just hold out your hand. I'll yes. do the rest. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that is cool. And it's an exaggerated scene of how, yeah, he hits it right to him and stuff. But, like, that experience was there where kids told you, like, just put the glove up, see the ball, and just try and get it. And if you messed up, I didn't – I remember feeling bad myself. Like, oh, shit, like, just like Scotty, like, oh. And then you'd go home and you would work a little bit more. Me and my brother would play more catch. You know, like, we got to get better for Sandlot tomorrow. You know, we got to get better for – it wasn't a Sandlot necessarily. We had parking lots that we played in a lot. Um, right. We did have one field that was more of a sandlot, but it was, you know, but it, most of it was like parking lots. You know, you had the bases. Mar- and what was so nice back then is the schools, the parking lots in these places, they were welcoming. They had bases marked and painted. So janitors and yeah. people, it was just, it was saying kids come here and play. And you had that invitation. In fact, if anything, you had to get there to fight for the field so that you got to play. If there was another group of teams that wanted to play so often, you would play them and stuff like that. But uh, it's just a very, where it's a nostalgic, piece for me it's just that, that that's yeah well and pat i like that you brought up the fact that for you it was football and i think that's part of the magic of this movie is that it's allowing you the viewer to bring in your own personal memory of the experience that you had right and i mean you're the 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 comparisons that you can make to christmas story are many right there are many comparisons you can make and it's you know this movie works the same way. These are vignettes, right? Here's the scene about 
the 4th of July. Here's this scene about going to the pool during the summer. Here's a scene about having a, uh, a, a, a camp out, right? They're, these, these scenes aren't beaten to death. They don't show up again. Oh, I guess, guess we'll just go to the pool today. I guess we'll just, you know, like it, 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 it drops that one vignette of a scene for you to then start saying, I remember going to the pool. I remember doing that. I remember 4th of July when I was a kid. Right, right on, man. I, I remember playing uh, pickup football or pickup baseball or, or whatever. Then it's whatever. I remember the gang. I remember just that group of friends that I had back then. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. All the little quirks and all the little, you know. Absolutely. Yep. This movie allows you to do that in the framework of, I think it, it was the Ebert review, in the framework of summer. Mm-hmm. Right. The Christmas story allows you to bring your own holiday memories out of the vault that you store them in. This movie allows you to bring your own summer memories. Like Christmas story was a snapshot of like the winter Christmas experience. This was a snapshot of one summer. It doesn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and Christmas Story, I think, leans more heavily on the nostalgia for family memories, whereas this one is more friends. Christmas Story had the scenes with friends, but I think, to, at least to me, when I think of Christmas Story, yeah. I think of more of like family memories, like mom and dad, you know, the Christmas time, all that other stuff. Whereas this one, mm-hmm. you know, mom and dad are in the movie, but it really is about the kids running off with their friends mm-hmm. and playing together. And it, and it, it avoids getting preachy about anything. Mm-hmm. Right. It, 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 val- it shows the value in those cherished friendships, but it doesn't get preachy on anything. There's a lot of subtle humor to, to mm-hmm. a lot of it. Like, you know, when the, the voiceover is talking about like, you know, it's funny when Benny was talking about Hercules and the beast's name ended up being Hercules. None of us knew what that meant, but we thought it was interesting or whatever the line is. Right. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it brings to light a lot of the, I'm not sure what word I'm looking for here. I guess just the emotional experience that you have. I mean, there's a, a lot of the innocence too of that yeah. child. There's an innocence to all, a lot of these characters. They're just they're just innocent kids being kids growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. I really want to say something quick, cool about Benny too. A, a little subtle awesome scene is when they're sitting and he's like, well, we need to practice. We, you know, and like you mentioned at that, at, at that awesome 4th of July scene, he's the one running the bases, but they all look at him and uh, they're like, yeah, but why do you need to practice? You're the best. And the look on his face just says it all. That is such, that is, so, I mean, and, and, and again, I don't want to keep pulling out those cards, Dennis, but it's like when we're coaching and there's those teams that we've talked about, remember where we'd have to confiscate the kids shoes because they would just train so hard or they would go out and run two miles before the race or, Oh, we had some downtime and they're off on the side doing push-ups, and they were the fastest kids on the team. And that was, and the look just sums it up. It's like, yeah, but being the best doesn't mean you get to take it easy. Being the best means you got to work harder. And, and the way that kid played that scene was just perfect. I, I, I thought, I thought that was so cool. Yep. A kid would play all day and all night. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. I mean, so I and and we're already on this track, but I wanted to do this episode a little bit differently. Instead of having like questions about 
the plot and about how the movie is made and, and things like that to ask. I just wanted us because I think this that's what this movie does so well is I just want us to take this entire episode and just talk about how does this movie make you feel? So, Jeff, Dennis. <laughs> Nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you don't feel nostalgic while watching or after watching this movie, I, I do feel, I do feel bad for you. Well, I'm not, and, and not in a way of like, Oh, well, sucks to be you. Like, I just, I feel bad that you don't, you didn't have the childhood sure. experience. And I would say, yeah, I would throw in sad too. I do. I feel sad when I, when I talk about this and you know, it's like, I look at, and you know, you got the digital devices, you got all the, the kids with their phones and they got, and it's just like, you're missing out on something like, like throw, throw, give each of these kids in this movie a cell phone. And, and I don't think you have this movie because <laughs> they're all inside, you know, they're not playing. No. And I'm like, and that's just such a sad thing because it's like those things that you literally remember that tug at your your heart when you see something like this that brings you back to those days that, and, and I will say that I was said, I was going to say this too. And just for all the friends, you know, I don't know who's, who's going to listen to this podcast or whatever, maybe they'll punch on Sandlot, but like, I'm so thankful to all those people that number one, I had close friends who we did this with, and I had kids who were just neighborhood acquaintances. And I thank you all for being welcoming on the ball field for teaching us, you know, when we didn't know, and then us passing that on and, and just being there because you're, because, because that's a big part. Like I think kids, like, I feel like my kids tried to do that, but there just wasn't enough other kids out there who were willing to do the same thing. Um, and I, and I'm just thankful for all those childhood kids, whether it was fast pitch, whether it was a game of lob, whether it was at the sandlot, a parking lot where, where we were climbing the roof to get the balls that we hit on the roof of the church, um, you know, risking life and limb, but we, we, that was the last rubber ball. We need to go up and get that one. And you crawl up a gutter, <laughs> And we would go get the balls and they'd throw them down. Hey, there's like 20 balls up here. You know, like all those memories is just like such a big part of my childhood. And and being in a family where I had three brothers of muscular dystrophy and we couldn't play Little League, um, you know, that was like my second family of, of neighborhood kids out there. And it was just a big part of where me and my brother got to go away from a situation at home and be kids. So to all my friends and, and, and people who I was close to and maybe not so close to, but still played ball, you know, thank you. Cause a lot of kids don't have that today. And, and I was blessed. I think this movie does what I think. Cause I loved, even as a kid, I even, and maybe even more so as an adult, I loved watching the wonder years. And yeah. I think this, this movie does in, in feature film format, what Wonder Years does episode after episode on a on a weekly serialized basis um, is just every episode of the Wonder Years, even though I didn't grow up in the 60s or 70s, I watch those and I go, oh, I used to do some of that stuff as a kid. Oh, that well, that's not exactly what, you know, my childhood was like, but I can connect with that. Like I get, I remember that feeling. I remember that, and that's a lot of this movie is I remember – I wanted to I wanted to play baseball as a kid and I for some reason never got a chance to play on a team or play little league or anything like that and it wasn't it wasn't that I wasn't I mean I wasn't a super athletic kid but I also you know I'd throw the ball around a lot and you know throw the ball around with my dad and uh, with some of the other neighborhood kids but you know 
there were situations where we would have some of the neighborhood kids that were on teams and they were much better at that. And like, I always was a little nervous. Like I know exactly how smalls feels walking onto that field and, you know, not being around kids who are older or who have done this more, um, felt the same way when I moved over to England and all the sports are totally different than the sports we played in the States. And I'm there, I'm like, I don't know the rules. I don't know how to play this. I'm complete fish out of water in this kind of a situation. So I know how that feels. So even if I didn't grow up in the sixties or if I didn't grow up in the seventies and didn't have these exact same experiences, I get the feelings of all these characters. And I think that's one thing that this, this movie and um, the wonder years does so well. Um, There's another one I'm thinking of too, but I'm going to save that because it's my answer for one of our three questions later on about, you know, nostalgic movies. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things I think this movie just does so well is I I know exactly what these kids are feeling in the different situations. Yeah, so I guess so what is it about these the you know these titles that were thrown around that that they do well? Like is it they they somehow find a balance of bringing enough detail to tell the story they want to tell? without making it irrelevant for the viewer. It still allows the viewer to, to connect to it, I guess. Right. But you know, it's the, I, I don't know. Is it a difficult formula to figure out? Do you think that, that a lot of movies and, and stories don't pull it off as well, or is it, they're just not thinking about, I think when you're you not have, thinking about it from the right way, I think when you have the when the writers have nailed the characters and when the actors have nailed the characters, I think in a lot of these, like I mentioned, the Wonder Years and I mentioned this movie, I think that for me, I can look at this and I can go, oh, I in my group of friends, we totally had a ham porter um, in my group of friends. We had a Benny in my group of friends. We had, you know, a Paul, you know, from uh, we had a, a, a Winnie, um, you know, I look at those and I'm like, oh, I, I totally, you know, this TV show is not made about me, not the same time period, any of that. But I totally remember a kid in school that was just like that. Or I totally remember a kid that was always sarcastic and making jokes and it was probably me. Um, but I totally remember like all these different kids. I had a friend who was like that. I had a friend who would have done something crazy like that. Um, you know, I had a friend who had a, a quirky little like verbal thing that whether they said something twice or, or whatever it was, but, um, you know, something quirky about them. I think that's one of the things for me is when the characters are so well done that I think just about anybody watching this can go, oh, yeah, I had friends like that. You know, they, he didn't look like that or that wasn't his name, but that's exactly the way, you know, that kid I grew up with used to do the exact same thing. I can think of all the different places that I've lived. I can think of at least, you know, when I lived in Texas versus Missouri versus England versus other, there were times where when I went from the States to England to back again, I'm like, there were certain people I was like, man, that's like this kind of personality. It doesn't matter what country you're in. There are people that have this type of personality because I had some friends. I had a friend in England that was, if you had not told me, uh, if you would have told me, I wouldn't have been shocked if you had said, oh, yeah, he's the long-lost twin brother of the friend you had over there in Texas. Absolutely. So I think this. I think what the writers have done very well in this movie and, and 
you know, the similar movies that, that do the nostalgia so well is they really nail these characters and their personalities and their little personality quirks to the point where anybody can look at this and go, I had friends just like that. Yeah, I mean, I like the casting is, yeah, they, it's perfect casting. They just got the right kids for those parts. They, the parts are written well. Um, I think, I was trying to, with Jeff's question, I was just trying to think, like, I think another thing that maybe works is they didn't fall for a formulaic plot in terms of, like, having, like, I know that in Christmas Story, it's, oh, you know, there's kind of the big thing is, is he going to get the Red Rider BB gun? That's, like, your kind of, like, thing that, you know, a thing that takes you through the story. And here, yeah. I'm going to get the ball back. It's kind of, the, but like you said, there's all these vignettes and all these little pieces of other things happening that in the end, it's not even really about getting the ball back. And it really wasn't about the Red Rider BB gun. It's all those little things that you met, those those moments that they had. And, and they didn't go for, like, the big game. There was never the big plot story that had to be there. They were okay with being a very low-key plot, and the only small plot you really could find is, oh, we're going to get the ball back. Or, you know, I want to get that red. Am I going to get the Red Rider BB gun? That's like your big thing. But everything else just fills in the space, and that in the end, the plot isn't really huge in the terms of, but it still works so well because it gives it room to breathe. I think everything else gives it room to breathe. They're not just focused on this big plot story. It allows all those other moments to take place. And I think one of the things that was, was really just, I think that the quote was from, um, we all lived in neighborhoods. We all lived in the neighborhood for a couple of more years, mostly through junior high school. And every summer was great, but none of them ever came close to that first one. And, and it's just that special kind of feeling of like, they just, you're just getting a, a, again, a snapshot of what was the best summer of their lives. Yeah. Well, while there's other you're, good summers, while there's other good summers, that one just we get to see that. Yes, yeah. that. Well, and your narrator, your narrator is Scotty. So I think to use the the Christmas story comparison, your BB gun is Scotty getting accepted into the group and like becoming fully a part of this group of friends. And and not to not to say that it's not the best summer ever for the entire group of kids. But him being the narrator, it is the best summer ever because he just moved there. This is when he got into the group of friends. So definitely for him as the narrator, it is, it is the best. It is. Well, and I'm not saying it's not the best summer ever for the rest of the kids, but I think for the narrator, personally, it, it that's definitely going to be his answer because this is when he met all these friends that, you know, he some of them would carry through for the rest of his life and it would shape the person that he would become. But I think that's the – and that's what it does so well is it's not – it's not an overly complicated no, end, end in sight. The end in sight is that you fit in with the with the group of friends. I think that's the BB gun. That's when you get the BB gun is he's fit in with the group of friends and he's, you know, he's become fully accepted into this group. But I might I might argue that I think that happens sooner than it makes it almost sound like you might be saying like this happens towards the end where he finally feels accepted. I feel like that happens pretty darn quick. It's the scene at the, once Benny's accepted him, they're like, all right, he can play. And at that moment he's in and they're so welcoming like to him because of that. Like, I don't feel like he was fighting for like to fit in the group anymore. Um, Maybe in his head he was, I don't know, but I feel like if you remember the scene where he plays and he does something and he throws, and then all of a sudden it's like, all of a sudden they just all kind of look like, okay, he's good. And they do that and they all just start playing game and that was it. It was like, there, there was no, like at first they're a little critical, like look at the way he threw, you know, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of that and Benny's kind of defending him. And then once that happens early on in the film, I feel like he was part of the group. 
He just was there. He was accepted. Well, I feel like the bye bye guy. Well, I feel like then maybe it's in his head that it could be more in his head because he was all fighting to justify their acceptance. Because that's because that's why it at least when I watch it, that's why he goes to get the baseball from home. Otherwise, he'd never touch his father's his stepfather's baseball if he didn't want to feel accepted by the group. Well, like that would have been yeah, that gets him in because and that's another thing that just throws back. I mean, when they were like collecting the soda pop cans and trying to get the ninety eight cents to get the ball, I'm like, we used to go down to the corner deli and and we so we when we played fast pitch or lob, we played with those rubber white they were like a white coated paint on it rubber uh, balls. We played with that for a while when we weren't especially you know like by the schools and windows because the other ones would break windows and stuff. So we would play with those often. And um, what, sometimes those balls, if somebody hit them, they would split. Sometimes you get a bad seam or something, somebody hits on the right spot, and they would just, like, crack or spit, split in half almost, like, and a big chunk would come out or something. Or somebody would hit it on the roof, you know? And all of a sudden, it was literally like in the movie, like, oh, God, now it's over. Now what do we do? We don't have another ball. Hey, do you got any money? You got any money? We start pitching money together. We went down to the corner deli, and then you would go ahead and you would buy the ball from there and, you, you know, and then run back and start playing again. What was the score, you know? And that's kind of what you did. And then after games, you'd go to the corner deli and have a plate of fries and soap. Yeah. So, yeah, it was so many scenes in there that like are just I, I just think it's uh, uh, I think it just touches on those memories and it lets you like like you said, the viewer not be told something, but experience something or find your own memory that connects to it, even if it's not exactly that. Well, yeah, exactly, because I think this this movie and Wonder Years and Christmas Story shows us that when you're talking about you know, what is the the best summer or, you know, when you're trying to retrieve that ball that went over the fence or you're, you know, that year you wanted that BB gun, the flood of memories that comes along with that and yep. being able to relive all of the other things that happen as, as a result of that one other catalyst, right? I think this, you know, these these movies and 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 what have you really bring that to light and and allows us to open up all of our memories right yeah. it's not, we it's, played at a school called Kamensky and Berwin too that we'd go to and the and the roof of the school was pretty far in the distance you know and as when you were Scotty you couldn't hit you you were lucky to get a base hit you know a double whatever <laughs> happy with that and then all of a sudden it was like you achieved that status almost like the hall of fame when you finally got to that age where you could put the ball on the roof and again it was counterproductive because you put the ball on the roof and you can't play but you hit the ball on the roof you're like yeah i got it you know it was my home run and and everybody at one point we all kind of celebrate it with it i think think to a certain degree with each other too you're kind of like oh good hey you finally got one on the roof but then i was like oh crap now we can't play we gotta get another ball who's got some money you know And thanks to all the, I'm going to thank all the janitors too out there. You probably don't remember us, but if there's any janitors out there live, they were all just awesome people because I will tell you now I go by and it looks like they cover up. We painted a box on the wall for the strike zone. They actually did it better than us and would help us. They made sure that the bases were on the concrete and we got balls on the roof. We'd actually be able, if we saw them working there in the summer, we'd knock on the door and we'd say, hey, is there any way? And the guy would go up and get the balls off and throw them off. I mean, that that stuff just, I don't know if that happens now. I just don't know if it happens. And that's sad. I uh, I think that a lot of this works. And, and 
in general because this is basically like boomer culture, right? You know what I'm saying? That's what's being displayed here is, is, is the boomers kind of grown up and that's kind of what's being displayed in the wonder years as well. And I think, um, it works so much for people of our age bracket because that was what we'd kind of hear our parents talking about and, and, you know, like nothing changes overnight. So we still got to experience some of those things. Right. And life was still kind of that way. Whereas like, I mean, if I show this movie to my kids, I can guarantee they're going to love it. Right. But there might have to be more talking of my saying, Hey, that's how things used to be. Right. Whereas when we were growing up, you really didn't need to, you really didn't need to explain that, Hey, that's kind of how things used to be. Right. Cause we were that much closer to it. And I'm trying to think now, like, I think that would be something, you know, if you've got something set in the eighties or well, even the eighties, my gosh, I mean, things didn't used to kind of be that way. Do you get what I'm saying though? I think that helps is just our proximity to that, that, that boomer kind of, uh, uh, right when things were, well, I mean, American graffiti was set right in and around the time of, that this movie took place, right? Well, what was happening a couple of years later, Vietnam, the civil rights thing really, I mean, um, became very prevalent. There was a lot of stuff that happened, um, you know, the second half of the sixties that, that, you know, kind of didn't make it look so innocent of, of a time is when we look back on it. You, you guys get where I'm going with this? And mm-hmm. I think that helps is this time period really, it's easy to look back at this time period and say, and, and to be nostalgic about it. Right. Now, Bo, were you, a, just, Bo, were you a baseball player or did yes. you, or what was your experience with this? Um, we didn't play a whole lot of pickup. I played a lot more organized ball. I think, a lot of it had to do with where I lived. Um, there just wasn't a place for us to play much. Um, well, but you know what? That's a lie. I played a lot of pickup ball with my family. Um, okay. I was just thinking about that. Gosh, they'll all be mad. I messed that up. My cousins moved up here at one point from Kentucky. And once they moved up, we lived close enough. Um, we had a field in the back that we would play in. Um Gosh, how did I forget that? That's embarrassing. Um, and so we had bases and, you know, we just throw them down and play and you don't have enough guys. So you play one, you know, play left field only and center uh, over yeah. right field out, right field out. Exactly. Um, right field foul. We had all sorts of different rules. Yeah. We would mess around with your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and all the all the stuff that came with. And then I played a lot of organized, well, not a lot, but I played from when I was crap seven to 12 or 13. I gotta um, say, I also do one of my favorites. Like when we said about three scenes, the other scene, I one of the top three that I have besides the fireworks being number one was uh, the scene where they play the little league kids. Yes. Because, because they trounce them. There's not even a close game. in no. it. Kill them. And it's like, it's not, it doesn't build up to some big game at the end of the movie or whatever. It's literally a small blip in the movie. They just pretty much not, not only just, just destroy them, mm-hmm. but, uh, but John's favorite character gets some great lines in there and it's just, oh, yeah. and it's, and it's, and that's kind of what our experience was too, because 
a lot of those kids were so proud of their, you know, they had their uniform and they were so like, da da da, and they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're so fancy, but they couldn't play. And it was because they right. played only at practice or they played only with their little league where, sure. where you lived it every day. You were playing catch, you were playing running bases, you were playing, if there was only two guys, you'd play against the box and the wall, you know, mm-hmm. what we call fast pitcher wall ball. Type sure. Um, you know, so we like usually were better. Because we played every day. You right. Looked, you were doing something I mean, every day. I think and you when were doing... I started, I'm telling you, I was Scotty Smalls. Me and my brother, like, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, and it was like these kids just took us in like and said, hey, well, just go out there. Just stand out there. Get your glove. And it was pretty much literally like very similar to this. And then all of a sudden, you know, you strike out the first few times. There's a guy who comes up and tells you how to hold the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like. And now swing, you know, and, and it was like, and then all of a sudden you pick it up. And then I remember going home and I was thinking like, we want to get better at this, you know, kind of like maybe what John's saying about how you want to be fully accepted. They accepted us, but I didn't feel I was worthy of it. So I guess that does make sense with what you're saying about the Scotty guy throughout the movie, trying to get that acceptance um, yeah. while he had it from them. He wanted to earn it. And I think we felt the same way. Like we went home and we we're, we got to get better. Let's go. Let's start playing. Like, let's play in the back. Give me pop-ups. So I'm going to catch this because I dropped three of them today. You know, like, you just want to get better for the for the for the game for the group. Mm-hmm. Parent, oh, parenting! I think that's it. John. As you mentioned, there wasn't like a lot of parent. Like you, there's scenes in here, but they're not all over the place, right? And I think that's yeah. again that's a throwback to our childhood. That I think kids today, I would be surprised. Right, you just would like, run out you, and you like come back eventually. That ball was over the fence. What you would have, what would happen today is you would go home and you would tell your parents and the parents would go to that house and the parents would get the ball for you. Back right. then, parents weren't doing that. You just, and you didn't even expect them to, you, it wasn't even on the, bl- you were going to figure this out yourself, you know, and, and, and in many foolhardy ways and many mistake ways, just like they did, you'd try different contraptions, you'd try different plots, you know, like, but you didn't ever think I'm going to go get my mom or dad to get the ball back, which is what I think now would be <laughs> what most <laughs> most kids would do and it's like it, you didn't you you figured out your own stuff parents were like go out and play go come home for dinner up oh, see you later mom run out the door you know that was it and and um and yeah that's what we have we have uh you know we're right in between all the houses are pretty close together in the neighborhood that we live in and we got fences on both sides of the tiny backyard that we've got and so the kids would be knocking basketballs and baseballs and all kinds of stuff into either neighbor's yard and it, that was kind of what we taught him early on as little kids. I'm like, hey, head over there. Uh, if you need to, if you can't get into the backyard, you know, knock on the door, ask the neighbor, let them know what's going on. Um, if for some reason the neighbor's not home and you can get in the backyard, don't step on any of their flowers. Don't do anything. But just go get the ball. Like, you don't have to ask, but just go get the ball. So, like, our, our kids have known that for a while, that, like, if you knock the ball over, go get the ball. You know, ask maybe ask the neighbor, knock on the door, and just say, hey, I got to run into your backyard real quick. But, you know, don't. Don't come running to me every time a ball goes over the fence. Just go do it yourself. I think neighbors were just really good. I mean, there was just that. I, I felt there yeah. was that neighbor. Like when you even talk, like like Mr., you know, they find him out at the end and they go there and they're talking to him and the stories. Like we had those people in the neighborhood, these old veterans, maybe through the war, who would tell stories and we were playing caps and robbers or guns and stuff, you know, an army. Um and ones who would tell us about baseball, you know, as well. Like we had that in the neighborhood and they understood, they loved seeing that. I remember literally like we would play in the, um, in the alleyway. So we had our alleys um, in the, in the back of, you know, our houses and, and 
at least that's what we call it in Cicero. But um, and when we went, when we had to play there, we played running bases or something, or we tried to play baseball. Like we broke a few windows here and there. But but a lot of the neighbors would literally come to the edge of their fence and just sit there and watch us, and not in a way of like, what are these kids doing? Are they getting in trouble? They just enjoyed it, you know. And they like they would laugh and they would play like they'd see us hit up ball. You know, they they loved. It was it was a weird, just a different vibe. And 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 again, I'm just. I'm very happy that I that I got to experience that. Like I, I look back and I think my childhood was great in that sense. I don't complain about my childhood. Nothing was ever perfect. We didn't have a lot of money, but man, those experiences. Oh, as a kid, it was great. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps with the nostalgic and and how it can trigger it can almost yeah. trigger like and and seem like a simpler time because you know. And I I I don't want to bring the whole you know, the whole podcast down, but yeah, that, you know, that whole, it's the whole stranger danger vibe and like going into someone else's yard. eh, That's, you know, like that it's a, it's a different world. And there's a couple experiences out there and some stuff that's, that goes down that suddenly, you know, as a parent or as a kid, you're like, "Eh, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's such a hot idea. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas exactly like I remember playing games of, not baseball, but like we play, like I said, it was for us, it was football and it was variations of football. And, and, uh, basically the simplest way I could say it is our game was like tackle, keep away. Okay. And, uh, we would just play and it would like everywhere and you'd be in one person's backyard and then you'd be in other people's backyards and running along backyards. And you'd be, like you said, jumping over fences, you like going through under, over, around, through, and all that. And I think there's stuff that happens today that maybe happened back then. I don't know, but there's so much stuff that happens today that like in a negative thing that makes that like, "Eh, that's not such a hot idea. Let's okay. Yeah. We know these people, we need those people. Okay. We can use their yards, but you know, there was always the neighborhood. There was always the neighbor who was like the cranky neighbor who maybe who when the ball got in there, like, oh crap, it went in his yard. And they'd be like, right. Who's get it? And then you'd have to like look and see, and there'd be almost like a watch out. And whoever the fastest right. kid jump over the fence, hurry up, run and grab the ball and get back out of there and hopefully not be seen so we didn't get yelled at. So there was right. like but but like that was like two neighbors, three neighbors out of the block, you know. And you knew who they families knew, who knew they everybody. Were. I was gonna say people knew who everybody was. They didn't move yes. much moving. Yes. People were there for 50 years. You know, you mowed their lawns. Um, there was just, you knew everybody on your block. And I, I don't know if that's yeah. as much anymore, you know? And that's no, it. No, at this point, and, and you, no, I was going to say, at this point, at, watching this as a kid, I was terrified of dogs. So the whole thing with the beast fit really well for me, too. Yep. Right. Right. Well, and, and it's funny, like the most they might have said, the guy might come out and say, you darn kids. You know, like that might be the worst thing. Right. Um, you know, and and like I said, I'm just, I'm just thinking of all the shenanigans we did. Our neighbors who we knew very well, like, and we got to know, like, my God, we had a bow and arrow set and he'd come home and there'd be arrows stuck inside of his garage. Cause mm-hmm. we missed the targets high. I mean, like, I mean, and he'd come always like, you guys got to aim lower. Sorry. And, and all the yep. arrows would be stuck, stuck in the side of the garage, yep. you know? And, uh, you know, like those kinds of things. And I, and I, I don't want to say, man, I, I, again, I don't want to say the world has changed, but I think it's just, it's, there's a different vibe out there with people and there's just, 
And like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to bring the podcast down, but even within the last couple of years, just around our neighborhood, there's been some experiences that have been like, yeah, let's, you know, let's not go run through people's yards kind of thing. Nope. Yep. All right. Anything else you guys want to say about this one before we jump into three questions? Mention the dog thing really quick, John. Oh, yeah. So yeah, there was a, there was a dog. Our ploy was what we had to do was because you had the back alleyway and then you had the other fence. So that yard was safe. So you'd have the ball got in there. You'd have like three or four kids go over by that fence to draw the dog over there. Uh-huh. And your fastest guy would hop the fence on the other side, hurry up, run in and get the ball and keep the dog distracted over here. Mm-hmm. And he'd have to hurry up. We did that. Like that was just I'm like kind of impressed. Yeah. Little strategy happening over oh, there. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Anytime we ever did that, I was not going to be the fastest guy. So I was always, I was always, usually the guy with the meat in his pocket, tempting the dog. I'm I was guessing. the, I was the bait. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. It's time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. I have three questions for this group of L7 weenies here. Um, Question number one. Critics, we've kind of already talked about this a little bit. Critics have said that this movie was too nostalgic. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why I got some low critic scores. So for you, what movie really goes to 11 on your nostalgia meter? Oh, this is a tough one, man. I'm going to say one, and then we can come back at the end and see if there's more. But I'm going to say Clue. All right. So wait, define that question a little bit more, because now his answer threw me off. I was, I was going to ask you, why does, why does Clue... You know, it's just, it's one of those things. It's a game you played growing up and then they made a movie about it. And you're like, that's cool. And every time you watch that movie, you're just like, this is like totally a nerd moment. Like a board game is a movie. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, you know, it's just playing that game growing up. We played it a lot in my house. Like, you know how you used, you got those sheets with the original game and the pencils like we ended up having to make our own sheets because we ran out, you know, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then I'll let everybody else go. And then I've got some honorable mentions we can touch on later. But. Well, I want to just throw in that uh, we love playing clue in our house and my daughter loves it so much that like Tammy and Dominic will play a little bit, but not to keep, you know, as much as she wants to play. And so we actually went online and found a way to play two player clue, which nice. actually is, it's nice and it's actually fun. So we've been playing some hardcore, and I said, you know, guys, there's a movie called Clue. Really? And so we watched it, and that has immediately shot to my daughter's number one favorite movie. We're having a Clue-themed birthday party. She loves Mrs. White and is going around quoting it. And and the problem is she's quoting lines that she doesn't fully understand. (laughs) I was just going to ask about that. so, So she's going around saying, and how many husbands have you had? 
mine or others? I'm like, okay, Daniela, we can't, we can't <laughs> vote that. She goes, okay, are you going to go home and sleep with your wife? I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I love I everything about say, this. I, it, it is, but like I said, Clue is like, every day, she's like, can I at least watch the trailer five more times? And I'm, it's, so, anyways, awesome choice, and I just want to say that Clue is a, like, on the top three favorite movies in the Candy Gallo house now. That is awesome. Which endings she liked the best? The alternate endings, him. Yeah, yeah. The favorite was the one that really had it because that was Dominic and her had a huge discussion about it. So, ooh, right on. The one that was labeled. Here's what really happened. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's awesome. I hated her so much. So much flames. The 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 flames. The side of my face. Side of my face. Breathing, breathing, heaving breaths. Heathing, heathing, flames. Yeah. Um, so, Des, you, you started to ask the question, like, what de- define the question a little bit more? So, yeah. when I was, I mean, I, and I think Bo's answer is totally fine. I think what I was thinking with this question and how I was answering it was along the lines of, like, this movie or something like this movie or something like, uh, I, I mentioned The Wonder Years earlier, I mentioned uh, Christmas Story, um, or even something like, uh, like the Princess Bride, you know, something where like if you have memories of situations like this, like what movie hits those memories for you really hard? Like what what movie oh, really gets you know? Like if you remember, you know, if if your grandfather read stories to you when you were sick or something like that, it might be Princess Bride, um, or whatever the case may be. So I'll I'll give you my answer, and it's not because we ever found a dead body anywhere, but uh, my answer is going to be Stand by Me. Because I remember, while I didn't play, I mean, we'd play pickup games here, and we'd throw the football around, we'd throw the baseball around. We didn't play a ton of pickup games. We didn't live near, um, you know, didn't live near a, a baseball field or anything like that. Sure, we made some makeshift bases here and there, and we'd, we'd play. But, um, I mean, I remember just a bunch of friends, whether it was in Texas, whether it was in Missouri, whether it was in England, that a lot of times we just either hop on our bikes or just go walking somewhere and we'd have the stupidest or weirdest conversations. Um, we weren't really walking or going anywhere for any particular reason. We were just kind of just, you know, going as far as we could go until it was dinner time, and then you got to turn around and come back and, um, you know, stuff like that. So there are parts about Stand By Me minus the gang and minus the, you know, dead body thing. Um, that when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I remember times like that where, you know, friends of mine, we weren't old enough to drive yet. And, and, uh, you know, we just go like, we go walk and like explore somebody, you know, one of our friends said, oh yeah, like a couple miles outside of town. If you go into the woods out there, um, you know, somebody, there's like a dead alligator in the woods. Oh, okay, cool. Let's go check it out. Stuff like that. Like somebody would say, Hey, did you see this? All right, let's hop on our bikes and go check it out. So I think Stand By Me, for, for me, that one watching that, I'm like, that reminds me of similar times that I would have spent with my group of friends. This one, too, but I was trying to avoid, you know, giving this as the answer, uh, having Sandlot be the answer to the question while we're talking about the movie. Um, so that's I'm going to go Stand By Me for mine. So kind of more of the experience. Okay, so I made that change. I'd have to go with Boogie Nights then. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I, 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 I said stand by me. I, did I say stand by me? I meant eyes wide shut. Uh, I would have to go with the room 
<laughs> you just heard John. That's, that's 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 how you also throw a baseball, Jeff, or uh, football. Yeah, yeah. Don't judge. Okay. All right. I would I I would have to say like my serious answer would be Sandlot. Um, okay. Christmas Story, right there with it. I think again they're very similar. Like you like you kind of alluded to at the beginning. Um, when I think nostalgia movies, I will kind of do a Mazuka answer here again, where I don't answer just one. Uh, I think things like, uh, like, you know, yeah. Dennis, there's nothing wrong with a Mazuka answer. I just want to put that out there. All I right. would throw three things that like, like in more, maybe Bo's response or well, I, I, he was talking about his connection with it. So yeah. Um, I didn't connect with these time periods, but three that just spill nostalgia for me when I think of them, uh, me and Pat have recently talked about this one, American Graffiti, mm-hmm. um, that would be one. Um, and then the other one, what was I thinking of? It was uh, Pleasantville. Oh, yeah. mm. Stand By Me was in there. Yeah, Stand By Me I thought of as well, too. That's just a really good, yeah, good choice. When I first read the question, I, I interpreted the question as what movie brought out the most nostalgia for me mm-hmm. in terms of connecting with the experience in the movie. And it would be a, you know, it's it's like Dennis, it's very close between Sandlot and Christmas Story. But I think for me, Christmas Story would edge it out a little bit more. Um, now, different in interpretation, right? What movie can I put on that's going to conjure up some sort of nostalgia for me? Um, would be Davy Crockett and the River Pirates. Because when I was a kid, my one of my grandfathers um, had kind of learned how to use his VCR, and that was one movie that he that he had recorded for my brother and I to watch anytime we went to his house. Mm. So anytime we'd go, we'd watch Davy Crockett and the River Pirates. Nice. Um, I almost thought you were going to say it's a Wonderful Life too. You know, I'm. There's a family connection with that, like where parents and grandparents, it's one of those movies that's so old that generations have kind of passed that tradition down. So it's a connection to a lot. Like, like I thought of that one too, uh, Willy Wonka or, you know, Charlie, you know, Willy Wonka as well for me. I remember seeing that at my grandma's house on a, you know, color TV in the basement and being scared of the boat scene. And so it, it connects me to some of my childhood some of the, when I think of that, um, you know, poltergeist. Did a number on me when I was a kid. So, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's some of that there too. And then, you know, the, the other thing that I have is I have a recording of a, uh, a Rat Pack concert that, uh, a, a video of it and not, it was pretty close to, uh, bef- right before my grandfather had passed that I asked him to come over to the house and he and I watched it together. Um, knowing that he was a huge Sinatra guy, um, so that's another one that if I if I listen if I listen to the audio recording or if I put on the uh, put on the DVD of the of the concert performance, you know that I have a lot of nostalgic memories of watching my grandfather watching that video. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey, may I ask, is that the Sinatra or the the um, Red Pack in St. Louis? Yeah. That's the one with uh, oh, that's Johnny, the Car- one. Johnny Carson is the host. He's the host. 
what was Sinatra? What was he singing? And he's like, I forgot the words, and it like fit perfectly, yeah. and then he jumped right in. Get me that, to the church. Then, get me to the church. That man, like that, is just a great video. Yeah, I'm telling Absolutely. you. You know what? One of these, uh, one of these this year when we got to like hang out at school late and do conference or whatever. Like, let's just hold up in a room and watch that video. All right. And then you guys that want to come along to just like, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So hey, can we, can we do a rat pack thing for our win Wednesdays next year? Yeah. Let's figure that out. We got to do that every week, Jeff. So yes, it's either going to be, it's either going to be movies or it's going to be the rat pack. So for those of you listening to the audio, you can't see the video. What you just didn't see was how much Pat had to twist Jeff's arm to get him to agree <laughs> to both of those things. Yeah, it was it was yeah. so fast, like you couldn't even see it. Yeah, yeah, couldn't even see it. Yeah, that that live in that live in St. Louis, Brad Pack at St. That is an amazing concert. Jeff, you mentioned the your angle with the nostalgic thing, sharing that with your grandfather. I mean, that's just, that just makes it that much more special. But uh, I mean, from sitting here in my man cave, I'm looking across over to my bar where I have his picture and his, uh, his Sinatra uh, tape collection that he handed off to me. He let me borrow it. And I I gave it back when I went to give back to him. He said, I want you to keep it because I want to know it's going to someone that appreciates it for what it is. Oh, that's awesome. Sure. So now it's, it's sitting sure. in my, my little in memoriam section for my grandfather over here in my man cave. I have a similar section in one of our rooms upstairs, and it's my grandpa's collection of uh, the complete works of Ernest Hemingway. Mm. He had like a whole mm. little set, and that was the when he passed, that was, you know, they asked, they said, what do you want from uh, from that was grandpa's? And I was like, the Ernest Hemingway books. I remember seeing those in every house they lived in. I remember those like front and center on the shelves. Like that's all I want. Like you don't want anything else. You don't want any jewelry. Any of the nope, nope. Give me the Ernest Hemingway books. I remember those. That's that's what I want. Yeah. I actually do this podcast sitting at my grandfather's desk from when he was in World War II. Oh, mm. Awesome. He was a supply major, and this was the desk he had it brought back from France at the end of the war, and he used it for years. Let me tell you, this thing is huge, heavy, and moving it is up. (laughs) (laughs) But I am sitting at it and love it. (laughs) That was my the desk I used to have upstairs in our house in kind of the the library room that we have, the office room, was uh, until it kind of got a little too old little too old and I don't think it was expensive when when he bought it in the first place but the desk I used to have was my dad's desk when he was in law school um, uh, in Texas and up until it got a little too old and a little too unable to be repaired uh, that was the one I used to during the pandemic I think when we were first podcasting over zoom uh, that was where I did all my stuff there too he would think it's hysterical, the four screens and two laptops that are sitting on it now. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, what in the hell have you done? Right. <laughs> Sam Hill. When, yeah, that's it. When all it used to hold was a typewriter. No, no, no. He had other people do his typing. Oh, well. Trust me, I did a lot of it back in the no, day. No, no. It was all stacks of paper. There you go. <laughs> So now this makes me think a question and there's no way we don't have to answer this. Just pondering it though. I wonder if 
the people we speak of just now and, and, and who have, you know, I'm guessing most of them have passed is, did they know what, if you, would they have guessed that what your, what your nostalgia is for them is what you pick. Mm. And as us, as parents and you know, like people are parents right now, are we going to have, what, what will our kids choose as our, as their nostalgia for us? I wonder just, it's just a pondering question. There's no, yeah. just like, you know, will that still be a thing? Will there still be, you know, where they were, where my son and my daughter look back 20 years, 30 years or whatever from now. And they're like, oh, that makes me dad got rid of all his good stuff. <laughs> Sleeping in an Highlander. <laughs> when they see a Highlander go by, that's it. like we think of that. <laughs> uh, but I want to, I want to I wanna buy a lease to this parking space right here. If you were to throw this into like TV, that's a whole nother awesome category. Oh, yeah. I just, when you were thinking, I kept going, oh, it's got to be movie, movie. But I was thinking Muppets do that for me. Oh, yeah. I grew up during the Muppets and on Sunday, it was Sunday, I think. Saturday or Sunday? It was Sunday, wasn't it? Muppets, the original airing dates? Or was it a Saturday? Was it a Friday, hmm. Saturday, or Sunday? I have to look what the original dates was. But I just I remember dinner time. My mom cooking dinner, us coming home from playing, and the Muppet theme playing, and you're just like, yes, and you gather around the TV together. Other one is Frasier Thomas's Family Classics on WGN. That was a staple. Um, with that, that theme is just nostalgia of that show. Do you remember Fraser Thomas class family classics? It was like the book. No. Oh my God. That was like, it did the Scrooge every Christmas. It did yeah. uh, the center of the earth. And you were just like, Oh, and he opens it up and talks about this book. Like it's in a library. And then it goes into a whole thing. That was just like, Oh my God. My family was just gathered around the TV. And uh, I mean, that was, that was huge. And then I got to throw for my dad, honeymooners, man. There you go. Just like I hear that theme. Holy, I heard that theme when we were upstairs going to bed. My dad would watch Honeymooners all night, and you could just hear it playing over and over again because episode, then the next episode, and you hear it coming through the uh, the vents, and you it, it just ingrained into my head going to sleep listening to Honeymooners, and I could hear all the episodes. It was like a radio show for me before I started seeing it. You know, it was like you'd hear every episode. So, man, so many things. Yeah, Pat, did we hear your nostalgia? No. Well, um, you know, Dennis, you referenced it earlier. Mine would be American Graffiti. And um, for a number of reasons, but I would say, one, I was able to just, I think, get the last gasp of that cruising around in your car culture. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I never had a hot car, sports car, or any of that kind of stuff. Um, But still just cruising around with friends. And where are you going to be? Well, we couldn't call each other. So it's like, okay, well, let's plan to meet up here at this time. Okay. Maybe we'll see you there. Okay. Yeah. Great. All right. Where'd they, Hey, they just took off. Where'd they go? Where they went to the bowling alley. Okay. Well, we'll drive there. All right. You know, um, Do you have any spots that you remember meeting up at like a traditional, like here's the hangout spot where you met up or no with the cruising? Well, the problem is we're in the burbs, you know what I'm saying? And so that like, it usually ended up being like someone's house or usually like the bowling alley or something like that. 
or the movie theater because we'd see a lot of movies, right? And even on even getting on adventures on bikes, right? We'd take our bikes, we'd ride to like, you know, uh, before cars, it was like we'd ride bikes, we'd go see a movie, and then right next door was a video game place, and you could try video games out, right? And and the guy, the owner was awesome. And again, it's okay, it's playing video games. And I, I know this is completely different, but it was a shared experience because you were all sitting there hanging out, looking at the screen. And the owner was just like, you were supposed to get like, you pay 10 bucks and you could try a game out before you bought it for an hour. He let us play for all day and then forget to charge us. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and, and so you'd ride your bikes over there and just hang out with him, talk to him, like, you know, so I just, I just remember that. And then that just morphed into cars. And like I said, that worked because that was what my dad kind of grew up with. So, and my buddy's dad grew up with, so I, I like, I looked at that nostalgically and wanted a piece of that. I mean, I remember hanging out with my friend when him and his dad were building his, building his Mustang, right? He, he built a drag race. I mean, it was, a, it's a fast car. And I remember going over to his house and helping him out, you know, like I would be like, okay, well, you're going to put this in here and this part goes here. And I, I couldn't do it, but it was like, oh, okay. So that's what a cylinder head looks like. Okay, cool. Well, well you know, and, and then cruising around. And I mean, that was before the whole cruise night thing, at least, you know, now, you know, you've got Wakanda's cruise night on Tuesday, Mundelein's is on Wednesday, then Libertyville has one. And, you know, Bo, you probably know those far more than me, but I mean, do you remember when there wasn't that and it was just flukies? Mm-hmm. Remember flukies? And like, that's where you'd go. Yeah. yeah. And that's where you'd go. And that's where Donna, the would hang out. Back in the day, Donna used to hang out at Scoop the Loop up in uh, Waukegan. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. And, th- and that's where you'd go. And like, I mean, the cops got pretty wise to it. So if anybody well, tried yeah, drag I mean, racing, they'd, they'd catch you. You know, it was mostly just the car show. But I mean, you saw it in American Graffiti. You, they'd go out of town, right? Mm-hmm. Then there were the places that you go out where the road ended and dead ended or whatever. And you get a block in and, and you knew guys were doing it with car. Like I never had a car that, you know, <laughs> no one, you know, I wouldn't be racing, but it was that idea just cruising around. And, and that I, I get, I, that is nostalgic for me going to the McHenry drive-in. It kind of harkens back to that time. And I get huge, um, like retro, like nostalgic vibes going there listening to the radio, man, I love listening to the radio and I love listening to the radio. And, and the, the thing is like, sometimes it was, it was your favorite DJ on your favorite station, whether it was oldies with Dick Biondi or one Oh three five Wolfman Jack back in the Dr. day. With Wolf, and that was what Dr. Yeah, and Demento. Dr. Yes. Demento and, and it was all on the loop. And then it was like Kevin Matthews and Danny Bonaducci and all that. And it's like, what was that? Jonathan Brandmeier. Jonathan Brandmeier and you'd want to, you want to get home to listen to those guys. And sometimes you'd call in, which they did on this show uh, in this in American graffiti and like everyone was listening. And so that was, you know, that was, like I said, that really hits the nostalgic vibe for me. And even if, even if you were kind of like hanging out, like you were with the Richard Dreyfus character, you didn't feel alone. Right you were alone, but you weren't lonely because you still had that connection through the radio or you knew somewhere someone was driving on the other part of town and you'll connect with them. Do you get what I'm saying? So it, that movie really, that drives up the nostalgia. And, and that's kind uh, of that similar plot 
plot point that we were talking about where there's really not a big plot point in either of these movies. They throw you back in there. They don't do it. They let it breathe. And I'm like, it's literally like Sandlot's a summer. Mm -hmm. You know, Christmas story is one Christmas. And then this is literally one night. Mm -hmm. One night. One night of just, you know, these stories all going on. You're getting boom, boom, boom. And then it's just over. And then there's like the the very... (laughs) Um, oh de- yeah, Dennis. I knew the end where you're just like it just goes to the titles at the end, and you're just like, yeah, you're reading and right. you're like, oh, how does he know? <laughs> you know, just and I don't, I don't want to spoil, I don't want to do the spoilers me, for the American Graffiti, but then that's when you watch more American Graffiti, and they did it to you twice. So I will say, like me, because me and Pat talked about it, me and my son, like right. we saw we saw American Graffiti, and he he's like, I go. He was like, it was like the best movie ever. He loved that movie. And yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, yeah, well, there's a second one. And he's like, he's like, yeah. I said, there's, there's more American graffiti. He's like, what's it called? I'm like more American graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, can we get it? I'll pay you the whatever to buy it. Cause we had to buy it on, uh, we had to rent it from whatever Amazon or something yeah. like that. But so it's kind of interesting that those movies still work even for kids in a generation that, you know, yeah. is that something yeah. that they crave? Is that something that they miss? Are they missing that experience? Do they have it in a different way that we just don't know about? I don't know. Yeah. Or is it that it's so unique because they didn't have it? They're like, well, people really did this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think my daughter even said, I'm, I want to say it was my daughter that said after watching Sandlot, like, man, I wish we had that summer or mm-hmm. we had that, that childhood. And they did get a glimpse of it with Ghost in the Graveyard and Kickball, and they had that feeling. But I will tell you, it was once the phone came, I, I know exactly how it went down. The first kid on the block got the phone. That kid didn't come out. And that kid came out and showed the phone to everybody else. And everybody else flocked around this amazing new phone. And no one was playing Ghost in the Graveyard because then the next kid asked his mom for a phone. And they yeah. got a phone. And then one by one, these kids just dropped off the face of the earth because they were inside all day looking at a phone. And, yeah. and the kids were like, literally, I'd be like, go out and play. But like, we did. We knocked on the doors. We went to the neighbors. They're all inside on their damn phones. <laughs> like, that's literally what they were, like, telling us. And it was true. And it was like, what do you do? You know? Yeah. Hmm swimming pools i mean god like big big thing around swimming pools you know man man when they're when they show the pool in this movie i can smell the the chlorine chlorine. and like i i can taste the the public pool and i'll tell you the other thing for some reason it's always the nachos with that that cheese right like for some reason you remember it comes in there well we (laughs) cheese cheese product but remember those nachos had come in that little plastic container, right? That like, like three quarters of it was the nachos and then one quarter of it was the cheese. And it always like, like I can smell that oh, yeah. as soon as I walk. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's, oh, it's movie theater nachos. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yep. Question number two. So the next two, we'll probably go through the next two questions a little bit quicker. Uh, question number two, if you could get a ball signed by a player who played during your lifetime, who would it be? Uh, so obviously Dennis has more options than we do, but what's that? What's uh, that, Dennis? Oh, number. Who was number one, Dennis? I don't know who that was. <laughs> oh man, you, John. I you're I would, one. I would. I'm not. I'm not a. It's weird. I'm not a big um, autograph that type of thing. But I would probably. I'd have to say the guy I mentioned earlier. If it was during played during my lifetime. Probably would want either Tom Seaver or Burley. I'd probably want the two pit, you know, like two pitchers that I like. Um, uh, older era, but I still saw him play was Tom Seaver, and modern era would be uh, would be Burley, the White Sox. 
This question is just not fair. I understand. Ryan Sandberg. Yeah, that he made my my list. Now you said ball player. Does that have to be baseball player or? Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. Yes. That simplifies things. Then good. That helps. We'll go with that. Sam Parameters Malone. are good. Sam Malone, Parameters right? Are good. My Pat. Yeah. Sam Malone. Sam Malone. Yeah. I already have Dennis's autograph, so I'd say Sam Malone then. But uh, oh, there you go. Carol Earnhardt. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm sure that this will shock everyone when I give the same answer for a question that we're going to have next week on next week's episode. Uh, mine would be Nolan Ryan. All right. Unsurprisingly. It shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, and then question number three, did you ever have a tree house fort or yeah, like a, did Jeff a, answer that? I mean, I, I would kind of echo. You echoed well, Ryan Sandberg, but it was, yeah. that, was okay, that well, I, mean, I mean, Sandberg, Andre Dawson. Okay. You know, would be uh, would be on that list as well. Jody Davis, Mark Grace, yeah, Mark Grace, Sean Dunstan, hell, Don Zimmer, right? Did you ever have a question? Yeah. Question number three. Did you ever have a treehouse, a fort, or like a kid version of your Fortress of Solitude? Yes. No. No? Was it, Bo, would you say yes? Was it in your own backyard? Was it somewhere else? It was actually in the front yard of my grandparents' place. Okay. uh, Where we lived for a while, uh, up until I was about eight. Um. There was this, I don't even know how to describe it. The bush is still there, so I, I kind of wonder if you can still get to it. Um, I went back there a few years ago. In the front, there was this front area, and there were some trees that sort of encircled it a little bit. But they weren't trees. They were like, I, I want to call them bushes, but they were 10 feet tall. So I don't know if it can still be a bush at 10 feet tall. Um in my now that I'm having this conversation as a grown up, I don't know if it was one bush or multiple like arborvitae type trees that were squished together, but essentially, you know, you could push your way through and then in the middle ish, there was a clearing where there weren't all that many trunks for this thing. And uh, yeah, we set up a little fort in there and that was where we would hide. Nice. Yeah. I had different ones in Texas. We had a, uh, had a couple of different situations that were kind of like a, it was almost like castle buyers from stranger things. We just like whatever junk or crap we could find and a bunch of sticks and things we'd like throw it together and try to put together a little, and it didn't look anything as nice as what castle buyers looks like in stranger things. But, um, our, ours was the poor man's version of that. Um, but uh, yeah, we we kind of threw together some stuff and like we'd go play. You know, it was it was a little bit. There were some woods that were kind of not too far from our house, and a bunch of friends. We'd kind of set that up, and and you know we'd go play around there. And then um, when I lived in England, we were not too far away from the forest where they had filmed uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and so there was a section of that forest. There was a little clearing. So you have to. I mean, right? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So there was a little clearing where the where it kind of like it almost like dipped down into a I don't know it was like a a, 
almost bowl-shaped little area that was probably about the size, I don't know, probably like the size of a couple of our classrooms at the middle school put together. Um, and somebody had put a tire swing up. Uh, they had, they had a, tied a tire swing up on one of the branches of the trees. And I remember we just kind of go, and that was like our area. We'd kind of hang out there, and that was our place. And, um, and then in Missouri... I didn't have, you know, I, we moved there and we were there for one year, actually less than one year. So I didn't have a ton of people that I knew there. Um, so I didn't have a ton of people that I would hang out with outside of school. But we did have, there was like an abandoned baseball field. And there was a little like scorekeeper's box that was behind home plate at one of the fields. And I would actually go like sit there, listen to CDs and try to write uh, there just kind of like by myself. I'd go hide there for a little bit and try to write some stuff and listen to music and whatever. But so I always had some kind of like a fort of some kind wherever I lived. Hmm. Dennis, did you have any forts? Um, we kind of had like some little quick makeshift ones, but I, I, I remember we kind of took like, we had a circle um, above ground pool. We had a deck. So you can kind of build under the deck and block mm. it off with, kick, with kickboards and whatever it was. We used to build a lot of moats and stuff like we would have where the water kind of licked out, leaked out by the filter. And we would like draw like a big like line and have it stream down. And then we'd have soldiers and stuff and underneath the deck and we did things there. But I, my big forts were winter. So, you know, we were forced to be outside mm. all day in the winter too until like toes or fingers turned black. So yeah. Um, I was big into snow forts. That is one thing I would say that I hope my kids remember and I hope that they pass on to their kids is, is I, I was a, like igloos and the forts and all that stuff, snow forts, like big into that. Like every winter I was just excited. I will say I'm thankful for my dad and I did the same thing for them was my dad, when he would shovel snow, he knew where I wanted to build the fort. So he would literally mm -hmm. take the five, six, seven, maybe 10 steps to get there and dump the snow. Then he was shoveling the sidewalk and put it in that pile. So you had this huge, big mound. He was basically saying, here's your canvas, go build, you know, and cool. I was able to just build that thing up and, and pretty much live in there. We had, we ate in there. We had my friends in there. It was like big enough to where like three, four, five people could almost be in there. If you got enough snow, nice. you know, I did the same thing. And my kids have, we have, you know, video and stuff of them doing the same thing, being inside those forts, getting served hot chocolate and stuff. So, uh, my forts were more winter, not so. Much. I didn't have a tree. We didn't have any tree fort or anything, though. Mm. Yeah. Pat, what about you? Did you have one? We, uh, yeah, we put a fort up in the backyard. We didn't have any trees uh, to elevate it, so so my my dad got these these big posts, like deck support posts, right? And it was I I want to say we had to take a ladder up to get into it, so it was like between 10 and 15 feet in the air. And, uh, and it was about, Oh, I don't know. The whole fort, the, the, the floor was maybe like six to 10 square feet. Right. So you, on these four posts, you had to, you had to climb up a ladder to get up into it. And there was a little trap door and then you had the fort and then there was a watchtower kind of built into the fort too. Um, kind of amazing no one fell out of it but yeah we had that for a long time and then you know that was you know camping the, the backyard sleeping out in the backyard or you know if there was some big like water fight or tag or capture the flag or whatever that was like an overwatch position so you could have someone positioned up in the fort um 
Yeah. So yeah, we had a fort in the backyard. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Once again, 30podcast.com is our website address. So if you want to check out all of our old episodes, check out what we got going on now, head on over to 30podcast.com. There's also a link if you want to join us over on Patreon. If you want to join at any level of support on there, there's bonus episodes that you can get. So head on over there and check that out. Um, In the meantime, check out what we've got going on. So the rest of this month, this is our fun and games month and our patreon episodes are from here to eternity from 1953 and then we've got a couple of patreon shorts war games from 83 westworld from 73 this uh the regular episodes for this month have been so far cool runnings uh this week was the sandlot next week is rookie of the year the week after that is rudy and then we fly on into august which is our family and relationships month um, Patreon episodes for that one are Krull from 1983, and our Patreon shorts are Super Mario Brothers from 1993, Night of the Sharks from 1988, and then our regular episodes for the month are My Life, Into the West, The Good Son, Indian Summer, and Adam's Family Values. So we got a lot of really good stuff coming up over the course of the next couple months. Thank you, Bo, Pat, Jeff, Dennis. Thank you all so much for being here. Love talking movies, and I think especially we, we tend to we tend to really enjoy the baseball movies. Thank you, John, for thank you, John, scheduling it yeah, and getting man. us here. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time. how long he had to keep the beast chained up like a slave? He said until forever. Forever.